Would you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So it's Memorial Day weekend, and in my neighborhood, that means it's time to barbecue. As I walk around my neighborhood, the smell of barbecue grills and the sound of sizzle has been wafting through our backyards. Now, in my extended family, grilling is serious business. I mean, we have this um, rivalry in my family going back decades. It's not Coke or Pepsi or Ford or Chevy. This rivalry, as you might guess, is gas or charcoal. That's the rivalry. Now, most of you likely don't really have an opinion about gas or charcoal. A small group of you perhaps Um, Maybe those of you who are waiting for the fourth season of Barbecue Brawl on the Food Network. Anyways, some of you have a clear preference for grilling. Maybe you're a Weber family or a Charbroil. Anyone a Traeger fan or the green egg, the big green egg, right? You're a big green egg, aren't you? I see you nodding right there. And and the the higher-end connoisseurs, I'm sure there's a few of you, might even have a Napoleon in your backyard. I, myself, I'm a gas guy, the Big Easy from Charbroil, only because I love the infrared smoker. Now, many of you have no idea what I'm talking about, (laughs) and even more of you have no idea what this has to do with Pentecost. (laughs) Well, I'm getting there. Um... No matter the manufacturer or the method of grilling, you still need the same three key ingredients for a really good grill. And they are fuel, ignition, and oxygen. Today is Pentecost, that strange and peculiar story about the Holy Spirit descending like a mighty wind lighting everybody's hair on fire. And one of the powerful metaphors for the presence of God, the Pentecostal narrative reminds us, is that the Holy Spirit is like a flame. We see it on our pyramids, on our stoles, when we're waving our red ribbons. Now, Pentecost is an ancient, ancient festival of Israel. It's a wheat harvest festival, Shavuot, and sometimes it's called the Feast of Weeks because it's seven weeks, it's actually 50 days after Passover. And as Sandy alluded to, Pentecost, as we know in the church, is the 50 days after Easter. It ends the season of Eastertide. Now, the text from Acts suggests it must have been a very unique experience indeed. There they were, all together, Jews from nations all over the known world. And then 
swoosh, something like tongues of fire were setting on top of everyone's heads. And the Holy Spirit was filling them and everyone speaking in different languages, accusations of intoxication followed. Now, scholars have written plenty about what actually happened that day of Pentecost, what was revealed, what those tongues of fire really were, and what speaking in various languages really meant. But the significance of this day, at least for me in the church, is that God was revealed at Pentecost in a unique way through the Spirit. Now, of course, Trinitarian theology reminds us that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has been active in the cosmos and engaged in the world all the way back to the beginning, especially through the metaphor of fire. We, we heard echoes of it in our opening hymn, the pillar of fire led the people out of Egypt in the Exodus, God's presence in the burning bush with Moses. But now, now the Spirit is doing something a bit different. Here she is leading this disorganized, perplexed, and unfocused band of Jesus followers into an impassioned, disciplined, and love-filled movement to change the world. What is new about Pentecost is that that same spirit is now constituting the church of Christ. The Holy Spirit is lighting a fire, not just on top, but lighting a fire underneath the disciples, and the church is born. I might offer This morning that the Holy Spirit does the same with us. She leads this disorganized, perplexed, and unfocused band of Jesus followers into an impassioned and disciplined and love-filled movement to change the world. It is that warmth of God. It's that heat that is within us that lights a fire of passion and love in our hearts. And in this way, experiencing the Spirit in our lives isn't just an intellectual exercise. It's a real passion from within our hearts, what John Wesley called a heart strangely warmed by the Spirit. So, Here, the fire of the Holy Spirit enters our lives as a catalyst, as an agent for change and transformation. The fuel, the fuel of that fire is our lives, our very lives. And the choice before us is to fan the flame of the Holy Spirit with our openness, our receptivity, our spiritual curiosity to feed the oxygen of the Holy Spirit. Or we close ourselves off to the Holy Spirit. We smother it with our mistrust 
or our fear or our attachment to the known and familiar. That's the choice before us. Let me pause just a moment for a little sidebar to acknowledge that this metaphor of fire is a bit problematic. It can be difficult to engage this metaphor of fire for some of us. I drive through the devastation of the Marshall Fire each day to work along Highway 36, and I've made enough pastoral visits to the hospital burn unit to know the devastatingly painful and destructive result that fire can bring. It can destroy, it can wound deeply. And while acknowledging the limitations of this metaphor of flame, I also wonder if it might still open up something for us. If it might still help us become ignited with the Spirit to light the world on fire in a metaphoric way, a world in desperate need, in desperate need of a gospel of justice and peace and compassion, and radical love. A world in great need. Indeed, the followers of Jesus there in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost were from countries all around the known world, and there, there through the catalytic power of the Holy Spirit, they are changed They are changed. Through the transformation of their hearts, they found unity in the midst of diversity. They found community in the midst of difference. And we too have the opportunity. We too have the opportunity to experience this catalytic conversion of the Holy Spirit, opening ourselves to the sparks of passion and energy within our own hearts, and then we're empowered to go out into the world and transform it with this power of love and justice. Just as sand is transformed into glass under the heat of the flame, so too are our lives transformed through the heat of the Holy Spirit. So how close, how close are you going to let the Spirit touch your heart with this flame? How open are you to your heart being strangely warmed? A year or so ago, the catalytic converters on the church vans were stolen. And many of you might be aware that we have very high rates of theft of catalytic converters here in Denver over the past few years. (laughs) And honestly, I hadn't really thought about what a catalytic converter even did until I had to deal with them being stolen off the church vans. 
But it was interesting to learn about catalytic converters, what they did and how through heat and a chemical reaction, dangerous and greenhouse gases are converted into safer and more benign gases through the vehicle's exhaust system. And my friends, this morning I have no better metaphor for our conversion through the Holy Spirit than the catalytic converter in a church van. <laughs> the Holy Spirit takes our resentments, takes our pain, takes our hopelessness, and through heat converts it into gratitude and healing and hope catalytic conversion. The Holy Spirit takes our toxic relationships, takes our shame and our rage, and through heat, it converts it into healthy boundaries, self-acceptance, and shalom. The flame of Pentecost is that passion that uses the gifts that God has given you and me to meet the needs of the world. And there on that day in Pentecost, years ago, each one gathered in that room, each one had a flame, each one had gifts to share, just as you and I have our gifts to share. Imagine. Imagine what would happen if, if we really believed that God did not give us this spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power and love. Imagine what would happen if we took the risk to reach out to someone in need and offered our gifts. What if we took the time to listen to the pain of another who is suffering and offered our gifts? What if we invited someone to be part of this amazing congregation? Imagine, imagine what the Holy Spirit can do through catalytic conversion when we offer our gifts out in the world. That, my friends, is our calling. That is our mission as a church how our passion and fervor for the work of God in this community changes lives. Inviting others into a life of conversion, and here I don't mean we're converting people into a particular creed or converting someone to believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. What I'm offering here is that through all of our ministries, each and every one, we spark transformation in our own hearts inside these walls, and then out into the world. That is mission. That's conversion. So my friends, I invite you this morning to invite, I invite you this morning to open yourselves to this wild and unpredictable power of the Holy Spirit whether you're a gas person or a charcoal person, regardless of the manufacturer or the method, live lives of continual conversion. 
Embrace the Holy Spirit's passion that is burning deep in your soul so that you might fuel that fire, that you might bring heat out into the world, and that you might be changed by your participation in this wild thing that the Spirit is doing here in this place, in this very moment. May it be so. Amen.